and welcome to Tuesday's Timely Torah Talks. Every single week we have very special guests, and this week we have a very dear friend of ours, Moshe David Leibowitz from the Chav K. Rabbi, how are you doing? Great, thank you. Amazing. Thanks, thanks, thanks for having, uh, coming by to our headquarters, seeing the operations. I learned a lot about the Chazak, and this is really inspirational, and Hashem should give you the Kaychas to be able to continue going forward for many more years to come. Amen, amen. So, so the rabbi is uh, very, very educated, knows a lot about the kashrut world. And uh, tonight's topic is kashrut on the go. But before we delve into tonight's topic, Rabbi Leibowitz, maybe you can tell our audience a little bit about yourself and the sure, great so, work you're involved uh, with. I uh, went to Beis Medrash in America's Atayra in Eretz Yisrael for three years in Eretz Yisrael in Yushalayim. And then from there I went to Tarbadas for ten years. I learned Paradoski. That's all for ten years. I was able to get smicha by him. I was able to learn about all the ins and outs of kashrut and practical halacha, and at that point, uh, I was able to start halachically speaking after my chasana, which we just came out with uh, the new statement, volume 8, we were working on uh, many other things as well, Baruch Hashem, but I was able to start halachically speaking, we just recently started our 18th year of ha- handing out the pamphlets, and during that time as well, I was able, we, I got married, and uh, my wife is a real estate appraiser, and four children, and I worked for the Chaske for 14 years now in business development which means they go around the factories making sure that all the customers that want to get kosher are able to get kosher certified and therefore we able to offer them with the kosher symbol of the Chafkei. In addition, I do travel about 40,000 miles a year in kosherists and go to different factories to make sure that they're up to standards and it gives me the opportunity to be able to listen to Shurim and to be able to get educated in the wonderful world of kosherists and also that gives me the opportunity to be able to get more educated in other kinds of topics for halakhali speaking, and Amir uh, working on a safer um, from Rabelsky, that's all, volume 2 of Piski and Rabelsky, as well as a complete uh, in-depth safer on Ashi Yatsar. Uh, recently I was able to uh, help out Project Tzitzis, which gives out 9,500 pairs of so far. <laughs> We're trying to reformulate their whole handout and speak about the merits of Tzitzis. And over the summer I started Project Yamaka. Wow. Which is basically, we gave out 60,000 bobby pins. Yes, we got some as well. As a schuss for a friend of mine, and Baruch Hashem is feeling much better, and Mir Hashem, we might continue it uh, as a schuss for others as well. This coming summer, people are very, uh, you know, unique opportunity for people to wear their yarmulkes, and that was a project that we started um, this past summer. In addition, to be able to teach people halacha on a daily basis, we have a WhatsApp chat. Uh, this way, you can start your morning off with halacha, a daily halacha, two, three paragraphs, very simple, and uh, just to be able to enlighten people, not only the area of kashrus, but in many areas of halacha, which they don't necessarily get to learn uh, during the yeshiva days, and that's really what halachically speaking is uh, based on, and the Mithashem, we have uh, a lot of things that we're going through in the work. Unbelievable, Rabbi Leibowitz, uh, wow, so so much going on, so much great things happening, Yagda Torva Yadr, Chazak is always proud to work together, Rabbi Leibowitz, and do great things for the community. So we're going to jump into tonight's topic, which is like mentioned, Kashrut on the go. We're all running around. We're all, you know, busy going from one place to the next place. Many people are traveling. You know, the yeshiva vacation is coming around the corner. What are the biggest issues when dealing with Kashrut and when people are on the go, Rabbi? So I could tell you that I recently uh, got a tremendous amount of calls from traveling out of the country or out of the state. People are very accustomed to seeing a restaurant with Hashgacha, whether it's a local VAD or whether it's a national Hashgacha, while they're locally in their homes. But when they start traveling out of the country, out of state, they don't recognize the rabbi who's on the restaurant. They don't recognize the symbol on certain products. And it's very, very important, especially when you're going to places that you don't recognize or places that you've never at before or don't have a large Jewish community. And they have these rabbis that are certifying restaurants. You have to do your due diligence and research it and call up 
the local rabbi, and if you have a rabbi in your synagogue, you surely want to feel comfortable that if you can ask the questions, everyone just research properly uh, about the restaurants that you're going to be going to or the food establishments that you're going to be going to during your vacation to see whether it's a reputable hashkafa. Just because it has Hebrew letters and some rabbi on there, there are times, uh, unfortunately many times, where the hashkafa is somewhat weak, and therefore it's a job of the consumer before he heads out especially now with the yeshiva week coming up in the next few weeks, and people are going to be traveling to different states and different places, uh, it's really due diligence upon the consumer to make sure that he does his homework beforehand, not just assume that the restaurant, hey, it's fine, it's in a kosher environment, it must be certified. A lot of times when you're traveling also, you have certain hashkafas uh, and certain halachas that you keep in your home, and then when you travel, you say, you know what, eh, I could be lenient with this, lenient with that, you know, we want to try to be a uniform Jew all the way around and not necessarily, you know, take our guard off when we're traveling, just because we're on vacation. We never go from vacation from our shop. So right. we, take him, we take him with us wherever we go. And that being said, you really have to make sure that you do your due diligence beforehand. And, and, and many times you'll be able to eat at the rest- restaurant. It's just a matter of doing that homework and, and due diligence before you head out there. Amazing, amazing. So, so many times we're on, we're on a trip with our families and often we uh, you know, have a stop-off at a, at a rest stop or a 7-Eleven, uh, what is the biggest roadblock when it, uh, the, the, that we should have in mind when we stop off at a rest stop? Like, is there an issue? Yeah, so time? there's a lot of things that come up, but the truth is people do travel a lot. Like I mentioned before, I have the opportunity to travel a tremendous amount of time during the years, and I'm constantly passing rest stops, and the question comes up, if you're able to actually purchase a coffee at a rest stop. Yeah, coffee. Uh, especially yeah. when you're late at night and you're traveling back from your vacation or just a business trip and you want to buy a coffee at any... Uh, establishment, you want to know what if that's allowed in Palacha. So there is certain things you have to be concerned about in different locations. If you're going to a regular rest stop, so coffee is not a problem of Bishal Akam, which means that a non-Jewish person is not allowed to cook for you, because coffee is just, you could drink as is, there's no need to have a non-Jewish person cook for you, he's not adding anything to it, uh, so there's no issues in regard, that regard. The concern would be, what about the equipment? But most of the times, like Arbalski told me on many occasions, that coffee machines at these rest stops are dedicated just for coffee. They're not going to put any kind of soup in there or any kind of other products into the actual coffee machine. It's dedicated to unflavored coffee, has their dedicated uh, utensils, and therefore he felt that there's no issue of going into these rest stops and buying unflavored coffee. However, if you're going to buy flavored coffee, then you have to check out the flavors because a lot of times when you're dealing with flavors, when you buy a natural hazelnut uh, coffee flavor, uh, there is no real hazelnut in that coffee. It's many artificial and natural flavors, and Ashkafas have to make sure that those ingredients are certified. So you have to make sure when you're going to buy that coffee, if it's flavored, it has an Ashkafa on it. People don't realize a lot of times also is that there's a lot of shots that they put into the coffee for different flavors, and those flavors have to be certified as well. So when we're talking about regular unflavored coffee, you're fine to go at a regular rest stop. There's no issue in addition to Myra Science. People will say, wait a second, you're going to a non-kosher establishment, non-kosher rest stop, you're buying a coffee. People are going to see you walking into this coffee place or this rest stop and say, hey, this Jewish guy is doing something which is not necessarily uh, permitted. Because why is he going in there? Many of the rabbis dealt with that over the years, and they felt that everyone knows that you're going into the rest stop. You're not going in there to buy a non-kosher item. You're going into there to use the restroom. You're going in there to buy something which is kosher. There's thousands of items you can buy. It's kosher. And maybe hundreds at this rest stop. So you're not going to buy a non-kosher item. You're going to buy a water, unflavored coffee. You're going to buy a snack. So there's no issue of uh, Mara Sain in that regard. Uh, in reference to other coffee establishments, it's not a rest stop, but a coffee store like a Dunkin' Donuts or other kinds Starbucks. of uh, Starbucks as well. So Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks work differently. Dunkin' Donuts is a uh, unique situation because they don't have any dishwashers. Dunkin' Donuts has a three-compartment sink, and a lot of research was done to it uh, when we used to certify some of the stores. 
that they have a three-compartment sink and they rinse everything there separately than the other items in the store. Even though they're serving non-kosher, there's no concern with buying, again, an unflavored coffee. A lot of the shots and the flavors you have to check into to make sure that they're kosher certified. But there's no issue with the dishwasher and the compatibility of the non-kosher together with the, the coffee. When you're dealing with Starbucks, it's much, much more complicated because there they actually have a dishwasher. And because they have a dishwasher, it's a very hot, dishwashers get very, very hot. That's considered a klirishan in halacha, which is somewhat complicated. But for simplicity's sake, uh, they do add their non-kosher ingredients and uh, utensils um, perhaps into the dishwasher and mix this together with many of the coffee utensils, not all the coffee utensils. There are some larger kosher agencies that don't even recommend a regular coffee. I spoke to certain rabbis and they were a little bit more comfortable with a regular coffee, but once you get into more complicated drinks and start mixing a lot of utensils and equipment together uh, to make the coffee, then they would refrain from you know, drinking a regular coffee. But again, that takes us back to this, you know, on the go. You're used to your Dunkin' Donuts in your community, you're used to your coffee in your home, and then you want to go to different states where they have outside your hotel, they have a coffee shop, and you're like, think of yourself, what could be wrong with it? What can you always have to ask yourself the question is that I'm traveling now, I'm on vacation, I'm on the go. You know, I, I really have to find out about these things beforehand. You do a lot of research before you go to a vacation to see which hotel you should go to, uh, what's the best price for the rental car, where should we spend my time properly. The same thing has to go with kosher is that before you go away on vacation, it's another example of is it going to be an issue of the restaurant, is the coffee shop, is what is going to be allowed or what's not going to be allowed, and you should take that with the same seriousness as you do when you're trying to find the best hotel, the best restaurant, and the best uh, rental car. It all goes into the entire uh, experience of your vacation. Uh, when you're going into a 7-Eleven, many people want to know that you want to buy Slurpees. Right. And that question comes up a lot. I asked, actually asked uh, one of the leading Rabbanim many years ago about a Slurpee, and he didn't feel so comfortable with it because he felt maybe you go to the back and get the syrup and let it uh, you know, get it from the back of the store. And the truth is, if they go to a 7-Eleven, they're not going to let you in the back of the store. It's not something which they let customers in. And I think he was talking more about like a, a, a slush. You go to get a slush, you can take it from the back, there's flavors and some ice, and there you have your slush. When you're dealing with a Slurpee, it's much harder because each flavor comes from the back of the machine and it goes all the way to the back of the store and they're not going to let you in there. And the truth is, the mimic of Kaliaswell is to be lenient regarding the Slurpee, uh, especially if you're going to be going on vacation to Yeshiva Week to hot locations. And even though now you may not want a Slurpee in the cold weather, but during vacation it's very, very common for you to um, get these cold beverages more and therefore it's, you have to be careful with the Slurpee at a 7-Eleven. But the truth is, Kali Swell is Makel, and the reason for it is because most of the flavors are kosher certified, and even if you have a non-kosher flavor that was there before, 7-Eleven has a, a flavor profile that they go with for like six months at a time. They keep the same flavor in the machine for many, many months at a time. So you have to be chayshish and concerned that if you go into that machine, you take a Coke, then maybe there's a grape flavor, which for argument's sake is not kosher, right beforehand. But the truth is they wash out the machines very well because they don't want you to taste Coke together with grape. They want a Coke flavor. They want a Pepsi flavor. They want all these different flavors to taste whatever's in the machine, not to be mixed with other different flavors. So as regards to 7-Eleven, the minig is to be makel with it because of the fact that they do wash out the machines well. The kosher flavors that you're going to be buying, obviously, by checking to make sure that it's kosher, is what's in the machine. They have people going around from 7-Eleven and different representatives making sure that it's the real thing in the machine. I personally don't drink uh, Slurpees because it's just not something that I want necessarily, not, not because of cautious reasons, I just uh, refrain from myself from drinking Slurpees. It's been about uh, maybe 20 years. Wow. Um, I let my kids do it, but uh, as far as myself, I have certain uh, things that I try to stay away from, so that's one of them. Very interesting, Rabbi Lee Woods. So, uh, a lot of information out there about cautious, like it could really be uh, endless. What, what, what are the best ways for the average person 
to learn about kashas uh, so we can be the best uh, c- customer of Judaism, you know, to make sure that we're keeping everything So that's a correctly. very interesting question. It happens to be that I was learning about Adolski, that's all. This I, interview could go on for hours and years. Hours and years, and yeah. I've been to over 250 locations speaking about wow. kashas over the last number of years. And I've spent them. And also the truth is I, can, I spent three, four hours among some yeshivas. They ask questions and questions because they don't really have the opportunity many times to ask their rebbe or their rabbi because they're not necessarily in the field. They may ask them a the question in the hilchas brachas, but when it comes to the you know forefront of kashas, many times they're calling us and other rabbanim to ask them their opinions on kashas because they're not that bad. I got a question from a rav. He's going on vacation. He's like, what about this hashkacha? Because he doesn't know necessarily the ins and outs of it. Uh, regarding your question, it was a very important question. I, I spoke to Rabelsky that's all about that as well. Like, what's the best way to learn halacha and get the knowledge? The truth is, a shortcut. You can always read one of my halacha books and find out, the, go, and find out some of the interesting uh, halachas that come up in kashras and other things. But the truth is, you really have to learn halacha. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the truth. You really have to start with the Gemara would be the best. And there's very many times people don't uh, find the time to that, so they go to the Shulchan Aruch, they go to the Mishnah Brewer, if you're dealing with the Arachayim, and if you're dealing with the Arachayim, you obviously should really be learning Halacha. Uh, and, and the truth is, people really um, focus more on Gemara. They, they're focusing more on Gemara these days, and they're doing the Dafyaimi, people are learning the Dafyaimi, which is great. I personally just started the Dafyaimi, the cycle as well, and I find mm-hmm. it very enjoyable. Me as well. And mm-hmm. tremendous. Oh, you do? Wow, look at that, it's great. So I really feel that Dafyaimi is tremendous, but I also feel that people... Uh, cut themselves short with that. They feel like they're Dafyemi people, and then that's it. They don't take it to the next level. They don't. They check the box Dafyemi, but they don't learn halacha, and they don't learn. They don't learn Musar. That's one of the reasons why we started the WhatsApp chat is to be able to give that people the opportunity. Even though it's a shortcut, you're not learning the sources perhaps, but at least you're getting ideas and knowledge um, in the actual realm of kashrus. And the, the truth is, that's the way you should really learn all halacha is by going to the source. Hilchas brachas, you should learn Masechus brachas and Ketam Mavarchim and the Shulchan Aruch and, and, and the people that speak on, on the topic and down to Halacha Lamaisa would be the best way. And if people don't have time for that, there's obviously Shirim and there's books that people could really learn on Kashrus uh, to understand what, what works, how does Kashrus work, how do you go into a factory, what's Bishalakam, what I should be eating, and how do you Kashrus equipment. And for average consumer, there's a tremendous amount of information that should be learned and, and could be learned. There's a lot of good books out there that talk about it. But again, the best way to do it is to go, go through the, uh, the source on that. And, and, and the truth is, we know, it's, it's um, the 9th of Tevis today, and, and, and yesterday was the 8th of Tevis, and Chazal said that the 8th of Tevis, the Torah, was translated into Greek. So the question is, why is it so bad? It translated to Greek. We have a lot of things that are translated today into... And the truth is, I heard recently uh, that people felt that that was it. If it was translated into Greek, this is the Torah, and that's it. There's no more Torah. This is what the Torah is. There's no depth into it. There's no learning more into it. But we have the ability and the chryas and, and the responsibility to learn more, not just cut ourselves short by saying, yeah, we're just daf people, we learn the daf and that's it. We have to learn musr, we have to learn halacha, we have to be more well-rounded in the complex level of, of, of Torah. And Torah is deep, it's not just the surface, it's infinite. But you always have to just be able to try and learn whatever you can. Like people say, a Talmud Chacham, doesn't mean you're a Talmud Chacham, now you're learning and you're a Chacham. No, you're a Talmud, but you're aiming to get to Chachma. And, and, and that's the good... You're goal. always a Talmud. You're always a Talmud, you always try to get more and more Chachma, and that's when you become a, a Talmud Chacham. You're always searching and yearning to be able to learn more and more in life. And then, Mirza uh, with that yearning, you, you would be able to get done with that. And then, uh, and be able to grow in Halacha, and grow into becoming a, a real practical 
uh, Yid being with Vakish HaKadosh uh, Baruch Hu. Beautiful, beautiful, Moshe David. So, so we're, last but definitely not least is, is one final message for our broad audience on this topic of Kashrut, which is uh, very, very deep in the, the, the little bit of amount of time that we were already together. <laughs> I'm already feeling... <laughs> You're going to have to invite me back. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Part, part two, two definitely, <laughs> definitely. So one final message, Rabbi, for the audience. The message that I wanted to tell everybody out there is that when we're dealing with kashras, you see a lot of times in, in the media, there's a lot of uh, advertisements about different foods and different uh, um, donuts and, and uh, different, uh, different uh, methods on how to be able to indulge your... A desire to eat food, and really that works with kashas as well, because people obviously are going to look for the hashkafa on products, and and the thing is when people decide that certain things don't get hashkafa, especially when they travel, and they go, oh, this thing is not doesn't have a certification, all of a sudden they, there's like a big backlash, I can't believe there's no hashkafa on this product, it used to be hashkafa, or this restaurant is not certified anymore, the rabbis used to certify, now they don't, it turns out that it, it sort of takes you over, and, and, and the truth is, we're talking about a piece of meat. We're talking about a piece of chicken. What are, we, what are we talking about? I mean, we are we are people who are of the book. We're people of uh, Gemara, Allah. We, we learn, we're Ravakis Hashem. We want to have a, a connection to Hashem. Why are we making it that we're sort of becoming foodies? I mean, I, I know recently it was Hanukkah, about a week and a half ago, and there were people waiting a half hour online for a 20-second enjoyment of a donut. You know what I'm saying? So, like, the focus of... And that really ties in with our discussion about kashras and application because kashras were giving certification on food items, but it's become where people get so caught up in the, in the indulgence of the food, and they don't even necessarily know what the uh, concept of food is supposed to be. What is, is, is the desire? We all want to eat and be able to be healthy, but we lose focus sometimes when we're going after every last food, and if somebody doesn't have hashkaf on it, we all of a sudden have a backlash and an uproar. How could this product not be certified? How could this, this drink not be certified? We have to realize that our, our goal is to bring Hashem into our lives. And if we have this uh, knowledge of bringing Hashem into our lives and living with Hashem and adding Yerushalayim, and I, I mean personally, I didn't have a donut in about 15 years. Um, that's what you look so <laughs> No, I'm just saying, like, the, 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 I'm, not even, I'm not even saying it myself, just in general, like, people have to think about what their uh, desire for food is and not, not get so bogged down with something that doesn't have an ashkafa. doesn't have an ashkafa, so don't eat it. There's thousands of other foods to we eat. We eat you know? in order to live. We don't live to eat. That's right. the line. That, uh, and, and that line is actually not the line that was created recently. Yeah. I was reading, uh, I, I like learning, learning Archa Sadiqim every day. Right. So uh, Baruch Hashem, that's my favorite. That's my Muslim Sefer. And in there it actually says, uh, live to eat or eat to live. And the truth is in my Ashiyatza Sefer that I'm writing now, uh, we have a whole introduction about living to eat or eating to live. Beautiful. Um, just to be able to give that extra feel for what is eating, what do you do when you eat, what, what's the, that's, we eat Shabbos, we eat Yantif, we have Malav Malkas, we have Bar we have so much food, what is the concept of food? And I think if people have that realization that what our goal is with food, then it'll have a much more impact and a much more desire to be able to come close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And if we have that desire to come to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then we won't have these ancillary issues of too much food and go bogged down with on vacation and this restaurant's not certified should I have a question should I eat there uh, who cares it used to be a, a very famous rabbi not, not such a famous rabbi I should still be able to eat there you really have to it really boils down to a, a true connection and we said it recently in this, the last week's partial when um, Yehuda told Yosef that I can't come down and out beyond because I'm not eighty eat to you. What does that mean? So there's a lot of different proportions that I can't go down to my bring bring down uh, to my father without bringing this nar. 
So I recently heard a pshat, Nar means, I'm going to go down to my father in heaven after 120 years. Someone's going to go down up, upstairs after 120. And, and they're going to meet their father. They're going to meet Hashem. And, and Nar in Eti, the vibrance, the youthfulness is not with me. Beautiful. So that, 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 is, that is a kind of. So we have to, the same youthfulness we had when we were young. And we were driven to be close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, And we should be able to use that same youthfulness that we had. And we wanted to do certain things when we were younger. Use that youthfulness to always have a desire to be close to Hashem. And we, have, we were closest to Hashem and we have a Kesha with Him, whether we're on vacation or whether we're all year round, that would really uh, bring us to be better Eden and the schuss of becoming better Eden would be able to live our lives to the fullest and it should be a schuss for all of us and bring the Gula Shlem of Hebrew Amen. Amen. Wow, Rabbi Lee, amazing. Thank I you. know the Rabbi for many years. He's very youthful, very. <laughs> so he keeps to, to that. And uh, we should continue learning Torah, growing Torah. Every single Tuesday, we want to remind everyone time the Tuesday Torah talks. It was dedicated for the first time. Thank you, Rabbi Lee. Okay, thank you, Rabbi Lee. And the Chazak should be very blessed to be able to go on for many more years in the great of Kodesh. Amen. Beautiful, Rabbi.